Hello and welcome to the Friday, June 23rd edition of the OSU Sports Extra podcast. I'm Patrick Prince, joined as always by Dean Rule from Stillwater. Uh, Dean, it's a good thing you're not living in Tulsa this week or you would have spent some or like me, most of your week without power. So uh, good to see you have some electricity in the background there. Yeah, no, we're uh, a little more fortunate than, than the Tulsa crowd, but I know that struggle well. Yeah, no doubt. It's uh, I woke up this morning, you know, we still don't have uh, electricity. Uh, and I woke up this morning to no water. So it's been it's been a great week and then a great way to start my Friday. So let's just have some fun right now and talk some OSU athletics. Let's let's talk about some fun stuff. Patrick, I think you're having fun. You're living like it's 1880. You're you're getting to experience the uh, little little throwback. I know how did, I, I don't know how they lived, man. Like no electricity, and I have no refrigeration. Like how how, how do you live like this? Like what's going on? Oh man! All right, so let's talk about uh, the hundred and twenty million dollar gift by the T Boone Pickens Foundation. Thirty five million of which will go to Karsten Creek. Now, Dean, you're going to have to explain this one to me. What? Why does Why does Karsten Creek need that much renovation? You know, it's interesting as I've as I've talked to people throughout the week and we'll have something on this uh, in, in our Sunday paper and up online uh, during this weekend. But, you know, they've said that course opened in 1994, Patrick. And uh, so that's that's almost 30 years as of, I guess next year will be 30 years that that course has been opened and it uh, it hasn't been renovated or touched once. So, so it's been 30 years. It's just gone. Not, not that it's obviously falling apart by any means. I think anybody that's been out there knows it's it's a pretty world-class thing. But the course is getting a little shorter uh, in terms of, especially on the men's side, in terms of um, what's kind of standard nowadays. And so on, on top of that, there, there's some other things that they're wanting to do. But overall, just needs a bit of a, a facelift, and they want to redo some things to make it a bit more modern and a bit more necessary. And, and of course, um, you know, you can go down the route of how it's going to impact recruiting and what it's going to do there. And there's all kind of tangents you can break off of. But overall, obviously, golf is something Boone Pickens was was a big part of. And same with football. Those were kind of the two big sports. So I think it's just kind of the, the continuation of keeping Karsten what they want it to be. So I know since that announcement came earlier this week, you've been um... – trying to put together some details on what they might be doing. Do, do we have those details? Yeah, so right now um, it's all pretty general. They're, they're still trying to finalize something. So uh, it's not 100% set in stone what they're wanting to do. But right now it looks like early October they're going to want to shut down the course. Um, looking at about a 12-month, about a year uh, to year and a half renovation, depending on you know how it all plays out. They, I think it could be done before 18 months, but they're going to want to keep it up to their standard before, you know, they start letting people play on it. So overall, you're looking at about a 12 to 18 month window, uh, renovation, redesign, minor tweaks. Um, that, that That's kind of where it's at right now. All the other stuff, they're still trying to kind of decide on how they want to approach it. Yeah, I'm trying to – it's a good point you bring up. It's, you know, Karsten Creek is this just amazing 
paradise if you've never never been out there. It, it's it really is a sight to behold, uh, amazing place. But you're right; it has been you know since 1994, and no course is immune to today's long hitters. Um, so that, that's a good point you bring up that maybe it does need a little, you know, but that's, you know, that, that's only one component from what you've been gathering there. That's not their only goal here, right? They got other things they're trying to do. Yeah. And they're just trying to modernize this course as best they can and, and really implement some things you might see, um, out at, you know, something like Augusta or, you know, maybe that might be raising up the greens. There's, there's a lot of things that they're still trying to finalize and so I, I feel like it'd be a little irresponsible to say like, oh they're doing this 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 and this and that could still change but uh for right now the the goal I think the the overarching theme is you know they want to modernize this course as best they can what Mike Holder say as, so Mike Holder uh he held off on commenting until those plans were finalized that there's not an ETA on when that could be but I would assume it's coming soon what what about Alan Bratton? He have anything to say? Uh, nothing too crazy. He he just kind of said he wanted to get all the information as well. Yeah. Are are you a golfer, Dean? Golf was not my sport. Um, I've I've picked up the clubs a little bit in the past couple of years, but by no means uh, am I ever going to be seen out on the Karsten Creek uh, level. All right. Well, let me let me ask you this: what What would you say you're waiting on? I don't know. I don't know, Patrick. It was never a, a high priority as a kid. I was always on the uh, other sports, but you know, I don't know if I'm waiting on anything. It might just be time to get out there and go, just full throttle go. I mean, I I learned to play in Stillwater. I I spent many a round at at Lakeside. You know, and uh, still, I, I I still like that course. I still like going back to Stillwater and playing it when I can. Um, been fortunate enough to play Karsten Creek a couple times at, at media events, and thankfully they set it, they set the course up really really easy for us. I mean, it's still not easy. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, they they at least are nice to us and put the tee boxes way way up so we can have you know, you know, not just get completely crushed out there, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you don't play golf, you you gotta you gotta do something about that. You live in Stillwater. There's good golf in Stillwater. We used to play quite a bit out at um, uh, what's the course in Perkins, about 50 minutes south of Stillwater, Cimarron Trails. That's a good course too. There's there's good golf to be had in the Stillwater area. So if you're if you're not playing yet, which sounds like you're not, you uh, you might want to do something about that because with all the free time that you have, Dean, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Just you know, weekends off. All that good stuff you want in a, you want in your life. <laughs> hey, I got I, the only I've got experience at Lakeside. I've played that uh, twice, I think. Did you like it? I did. It, golf's a good time. You got to find the time, though. That's the problem. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I we like to play first thing Sunday morning because we're I say we my little group, my brother, some really close friends, my nephew. Um, we don't we like to play fast we want to get golf done and move on with our day so yeah i'm with you on the time i i don't i don't have time to be out there five hours i don't want to be out there five hours so we play in about 
three hours and we're done mid-morning and we have our whole day ahead of us. So yeah, to me, that's that's a key to golf. It's not, you know, not too much time. I know some people, good friends or coworkers who used to be here at the World, they have a Sunday game. They tee off like at 11 on Sunday and man, it's it's their whole day. And I'm yeah. like, don't, I don't have time for that. I don't, gotta, gotta, gotta keep my weekends moving a little bit. All right. Uh, any more about that, or you want to talk a little football? I can talk golf freaking all day long. Yeah, let's let's chat a little football. We'll see. I'll uh, I'll have more information for everybody on what I'm learning about Karsten this this weekend. So I just stay tuned into the Tulsa World. All right. So I'll talk a little football. Well, where do you want to start? We can talk a little Trey Griffith's uh, commitment this week. Uh, you wrote about Con Oliver this week. Uh, they got Leon Johnson. You heard about Leon Johnson this week, 6'5", Division three receiver. Where do you want to start? Start with uh, with Trey Griffiths. Let, let's talk a little recruiting because, you know, summer is the recruiting. The summer is when, you know, recruiting classes are kind of defined a little bit. Um, same with December as, as early signing period gets closer. But I think summer is always kind of the important time for recruitment. So let's start there. All right. Well, what do you think of Mr. Griffith's three-star receiver from Keller, Texas? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he fits good. It's, you know, he's the first wide receiver in their class, and I think the offense is kind of starting to catch up. Brian Nardo, I think, is doing a really good job uh, in his first year or his first offseason with OSU in, in terms of his recruitment and him being able to pick up some pretty, pretty decent recruits. Uh, and, and now the offense is kind of catching up, especially with – Trey Griffiths, he's the first wide receiver in the class for OSU. And, uh, you know, he's got all the intangibles you'd want in a wide receiver. Uh, you know, he's quick. You know, he runs track and field at, at Keller as well. All, all the kind of – he's got the size. He's got all those intangibles you'd want in a recruit. And I think it's just another consistent piece to, to have in the recruiting class. Puts him up to eight which I think a good number to be at at this point. And I think it's only going to, you know, I think July is really when it's going to start to pick up. You're going to see a lot more commitment. So overall, I think they're in a pretty decent spot in terms of recruitment. Um, I'd assume they're still kind of waiting on that, that, you know, headline or that four star that, you know, they've, they've been able to consistently get throughout the past couple. I mean, they didn't get it four star last year, but um, I think a lot of people probably think Zane Flores should have been a four star recruit and, Maybe that's just a, a case study of um, the reliability of some of these recruiting rankings. But regardless, I think you're still waiting on that, you know, upper echelon player to commit one that could have that instant impact you'd really want. Um, so I, I think that's still what they're waiting on. But Trey Griffiths is just the next piece, I think, in a, in a really consistent recruiting class they're putting together. But I think they're still waiting on that next step up. What do you think about Leon Johnson? A unicorn, Patrick. Um, I think he could be, you know, wide receiver is going to be so interesting. How they handle the wide receiver room is going to be such an intriguing thing to follow this year because you lost a ton of talent. You lost John Paul Richardson, uh, Bryson Green, Stephon Johnson Jr., and you've now replaced them with these more veteran portal guys, you know, Sean Stribling and Leon Johnson. And Leon Johnson to me is just interesting and 
that you know he's a division three wide receiver who or division three all American um who caught you know over a thousand passing yards and almost a dozen touchdowns and 55 reception he, he did all these things but it's at the division three level and now you just kind of have to sit there and ask you know how's that going to translate to power five because when he's I mean he's a six 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 foot six receiver you know that the when we talk intangibles if you got a guy that tall he could make an impact um you know I, I, from my understanding he kind of attempted to dip into the draft pool last year some teams were interested with him more on a undrafted free agent level and so he decided to hit the transfer portal and come to come to OSU and so you've got all these pieces that you need to kind of make fit all these young all these new new veterans that you need to figure out how they're going to fit in your system and you know you're going to want to build around somebody like Brendan Presley who still feels like a freshman to me Patrick but he's going into his senior year his career feels like it has flown by at OSU but you're gonna have guys like that and uh you know Jaden Bray and Talon Shetra there, there's all these pieces that, like it's it's such a loaded wide receiver room but it doesn't feel that way when, when you take a step back and say okay they've got all these guys well if it can all click there's all kinds of talent there but you need it to click and I think that's going to be really something interesting to watch is you've got all these guys that can make an impact who were who have been here for a couple of years and new guys coming in who can make an impact how are you going to get this to mesh together and, and work especially with a new quarterback yeah, the wide receiver position at OSU has usually been a productive one in the Mike Gundy era. I mean, they've had they've had some big recruits. And they've also had some, you know, recruits that weren't high profile, but that that they have developed. They they've had good receivers. It's going to be interesting to see what they do this year because they they had some some major losses that you pointed out, but it seems like they're getting some guys. So you kind of have to wonder. Who's going to emerge? You know, is it going to be like going to spread the wealth a little bit? Is it going to, is Brennan Presley going to assumingly be the guy and then everybody else fills in? You're right. It'd, it'd be a very intriguing position group to keep an eye on this year. You know, yeah. All the talent is there for this to be, you know, productive group, but it's just, can you all get it to work? And I think that just, that touches on just the overall risk versus, versus reward of the transfer portal of hey there's no doubt you can go into the transfer portal and find a bunch of talent and kind of reload a team in an offseason the hard part is going to be getting all these people to click together when you're trying to when you're putting them in a position where they have to you know where they're going to be a starter or they're going to be playing 80 snaps a game or maybe not you know 60 snaps a game whatever it ends up being that's always the hard part about the transfer portal and uh, that's why I think it's just how this all meshes together is really going to be um, important on just OSU in general, it, how how they fare this this season. Sorry, had a had an amber alert there. I got that one too. I was trying to yeah. shut it off. I didn't know if it was coming through the speaker. Um. All right, Dean, let's talk about another uh, interesting position group that will have its impact from, from transfers as well, uh, linebacker. 
you wrote about the linebackers this week, specifically Colin Oliver and his move to linebacker from defensive end. What do you make of that group? Yeah, I mean, I think as we talk about the risk of bringing in all these transfers, I think one transfer that there's really no risk to bringing in is Justin Wright, because um, not only is he, you know, a veteran linebacker who's had an accomplished career at Tulsa, but he's also used to the 3-3-5 system that OSU's defense is currently implementing. So having him at middle linebacker or, you know, I doubt they'd move him to the outside, but having him there, I think that's probably one of the best anchors you could, the safest bet you could have uh, in terms of bringing in transfers and and how these all shape up. So uh, he's really interesting. And uh, Xavier Benson, another transfer, but he's he's been in the program for a year. So I think a little less risk associated there. And yeah, Colin Oliver is the most, Colin Oliver to me is the most interesting player to watch on the defensive end of this year on the defensive side of the ball, excuse me, because he played at linebacker in high school. That is, you know, his play there is the reason that he became such a highly touted recruit, a, a top, an ESPN top 300 guy. And obviously he had the success at defensive end. And I'm, I'm not saying they're not going to play him at defensive end ever, because I think what they're trying to do is be able to be versatile and, and throw a lot of different looks um, at opponents from on the defensive side. So, but primarily he's going to be a linebacker. And, and so I reached out to his old coach at uh, Edmond Santa Fe and just said, Hey, you know, what made him such an interesting fit at linebacker? What made that work so well for you guys? And, you know, how's that going to look at OSU? And, and so he just kind of shed some light on, you know, Colin Oliver's got the physicality needed, but also the ability to drop back in space and, uh, you know, be crucial in pass coverage and also the ability to, as we've seen, he's able to get into the pocket and sack the quarterback, disrupt whatever's going on back there. So overall, I think he's an interesting fit and they've really surrounded Colin Oliver with, um, you know, safe bets. And I think linebackers probably the sturdiest part of the defense um, going into next year. Or this season. I mean, I keep saying next year, we're like three months away from football season, Patrick, if that. I, I, it's really I, August 1st, I guess, when fall camp starts, really. So a month, five weeks. Yeah, it's crazy when you when you say that. But hey, I'm ready, man. Bring it. Let's yeah. let's let's do it. <laughs> um, so what do you expect from Colin Oliver? I mean, he's I mean, do you expect him to keep getting better and better and better, just keep improving, kind of going back to his natural position? I mean, this this is a big-time guy, right? He's just going to keep getting better and better, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say this is like the make-or-break year for Colin Oliver because I think even if he has an underwhelming season, um, you know, I, I still think if we're betting, if we were to create betting odds for – which OSU players are going to be the next ones drafted? You know, I think Colin Oliver's probably, I'd probably say he's got the best odds. Maybe Kendall Daniels, but he's still young. I think you want to see him. I think I think you'd want to see Kendall Daniels in his new role as well uh, this year before you start making those bets. But, yeah, I mean, Colin Oliver is, I think, the guy on the defense, especially, I mean, he's a junior now already. Once We're talking about, 
that guy still feels like a freshman, you know, with Brennan Presley. Yeah. Colin Oliver still feels like he should be a freshman, but he's been around, you know, he's going into his junior year now. And um, yeah, I mean, he's a guy, I think you just, you expect to continue to get better. I think he's the safest bet on that defensive side, at least for, you know, really, you know, developing into not just a cornerstone, but the guy. And I think best case, he becomes that this year. Worst case, you know, he still remains a cornerstone. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Kendall Daniels. We can talk more about him another time. But uh, I'm I'm a big Kendall Daniels fan. As I've said many times in the past, I love seeing our high school stars at the next level doing what they do. He was a big-time guy at Beggs. So we kind of followed his high school career then. You know, he's he's shown flashes at OSU. You know, he's done some things. He looks like he could be, you know, could be the guy. So uh, we'll see what this position switch does for him. Maybe we can talk to him in August and fall camp and kind of see how he's doing and what, what he expects this year to look like. Yeah. Hey, okay, so going back to – or keeping in with the linebackers for a minute, isn't Justin Wright a dad? From my understanding, yes. Isn't he, and he's an older guy, isn't he? So he's going into his, I believe this is year six. I always get, with the red shirt and the COVID year, I always get um, years incorrect. But I think this is year, let's see, one, two, three, four. Yeah, so this is year six for him. Yeah. Well, he'll be, you know, he was great at Tulsa. So, yeah, I think I think OSU fans are really, really going to like him. You expect big things, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he's just – he is the safest bet when we're talking about um, transfers. You know, he, he's got everything you want in terms of, you know, you know, everything that you would want when it comes to experience, play, familiarity, um, talent, intangibles, all that. I mean, he is the one that you'd say, which transfer is going to have the best season? Well, I think I'd say Justin Wright. Yeah. Okay, so, Dean, your Carson Creek story uh, will probably be online uh, today. That's Friday. It'll be in the Sunday Tulsa world. It'll be a good read. Everybody check it out. Uh, what, what else you got coming up this weekend? Gonna have some recruiting stuff to it's either gonna be late this weekend or or early next week, and then uh, some odds and ends. I'll be at All World, Patrick. Watch out, and then uh, taking a little time off. Surprisingly, well, you earned it, my friend. So glad glad you're taking some time off, and that's great. You're coming to All World. Uh, that's Thursday night, downtown Tulsa Cox Business Center, honoring the best in high school athletics sponsored by Bill Knight Automotive. So glad you're going to come to that, Dean. It's always a great event honoring these high school kids for, for their achievements. So that's good. I'm glad you'll be there. We'll see you. Of course. All right. You can download us for free on Google, Apple, or Spotify. Dean, appreciate the knowledge as always, and we'll, we'll catch up next week.